Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Dr. Hector Garcia, Associate Dean of Criminal Justice here at Southern New Hampshire University. During this episode, we will learn about the intriguing power that study groups have in order to enable our learners to be even more successful than they normally are. And to guide us along that journey of the power of study groups, we have a very special guest with us today. It is Dr. Philip Rob DeWalt, an adjunct professor of criminal justice here at Southern New Hampshire University. Welcome to the program, doctor. Thank you very much, Hector. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And and this is a very important topic for us to discover because we are always looking for ways for our students to improve their learning experience, which will in effect have good implications for them in their future. So. As we know, study groups can be a very effective strategy when we want to enhance our learning. This is because groups share insights and learn from each other. Group members can also help other group members understand any confusing topics, any intricacies of assignments that they may not be aware of. Because as we all know, the power of a group always supersedes the power of one person. And to have support in your learning is always very important. But that is what we have Dr. DeWalt here with us today. He's going to illuminate us on the power of study groups. So before we begin, doctor, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to study study groups. <laughs> well, you know, the situation, a lot of it is life experience, but um, I grew up in a small town and very conservative, uh, uh, Christian Protestant background and uh, so uh, kind of sheltered if you want to say it like that and then um, went through college and I kind of had an advantage that was an innate disadvantage and that was my mother was very well known at this little college and in this small town and they just kind of uh, passed me along if, it, if you want to put it like that in other words that I could do no wrong uh, and so uh, there was no challenge in college for me, in undergraduate college. But then I moved on and I wanted to get my law degree. So I decided to move over to a whole new uh, environment, bigger city, Akron, in Akron, Ohio. Uh, my wife was from that area. We kind of thought, hey, it'd be a good experience for me to get live a little while where she's from and get to know my way around. So basically I get over there and I start law school and I'm floundering. I mean, it's awful. I'm lost. I am lost. And I know what, I know I'm lost and I have no idea what to do. And at the same time, I'm trying to find myself in a new town, try to find a job. 
somehow two important things happened in my life at that time. And one of them is I met a guy that was kind of a lackluster student like myself. And, but he had an idea. His name was Matt and he had an idea and he's like, it's study groups, study groups is the key. So I said, okay, you know, lead me on, you know? And so then he took me to these two excellent students, very solid. And the one guy was a math wizard and a high school teacher. And the other guy was already working in the law as a clerk. And we formed this study group like early, early on. And I learned so much from that. And it saved my life. Honestly, it saved my whole psyche, uh, my identity. uh, And it was very meaningful to me. So that's what study groups means to me. Uh, The other part of it is in terms of career. And, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And walking in the halls at the law school, I ran across this jobs posted on a bulletin board. It said needed two intake probation officers for juvenile court. So I was like, well, okay, I'll grab, I'll grab on the card. I grab it. I call them on the phone, look into it. The rest is history. Changed my entire life there because I became a juvenile intake probation officer. And I just followed that career wherever it led me in terms of uh, working in juvenile court moving through different jobs within juvenile court, uh, and then building on that, and then uh, opportunity to teach at the college level and build on that for years and years and years. And and so here I am all these years later, having lots of life experiences and so forth, but started off really sketchy and concerned and worried and not sure what to do. And so that's why I'm, I'm basically a card carrying member of, you know, the groups is the answer type kind of situation. So that's why I'm here today. All right. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. But now after all of these personal experiences that you've had and some research that you've recently conducted, what could you tell us about the power of study groups? What are its advantages? Why should students become involved in study groups? Well, you touched on something really important, and that is the power of the group. You know, in other words, we uh, are all bringing things to the group, and uh, maybe I've had an experience that somebody else didn't have, or I read something somebody else didn't read, and so you just work all those things together, and it uh, it has benefits for everybody that's involved. I will say this about law school. Law school is different than some other things just from the standpoint of that Socratic method and uh, the, the, the whole thing, classes are taught by, by briefing. So in other words, you're assigned cases every week to like brief and you have to be prepared to be called on by the professor. And if you're not prepared, then you are embarrassed. And so uh, it's a little more, you know what I mean, straightforward, streamlined, you know. So, for example, in our group, we would get together once a week, first thing like Monday, and we say, okay, this week we have 14 briefs that we have to do, 14, okay. So then we'd say, okay, there's four of us, you know. So each of us do uh, three or four briefs and then share those together in our group and study them together in our group 
And then we're bulletproof. We're prepared for each class so that if we get called on, we know what to say. You know, so it's much more simple, more straightforward, and that type of thing. But I still think there's a lot there for us to learn uh, in terms of the average undergraduate student, you know, as far as, you know, having something real to talk about and just not try to blow steam, you know, uh, out the end there as far as uh, no real knowledge or preparation or anything like that, uh, just to try to bluff your way through. And that doesn't work in law school, I can guarantee it. I, I, I would see time after time, a guy would try to pull at, and we would take a break. There's 400 students in the classroom, by the way. We take a break. Everybody goes out, coffee, smoke, whatever comes back. That guy's gone. He's gone forever. He's not coming back because he was so embarrassed that he knows it's over. I'm out, you know, because he got caught, you know. And so it's a kind of a different dynamic. You know what I'm saying? It's very cutthroat. But um, in the context of what I learned from it, I still believe it's very valuable and we need to make the adjustments and uh, bring it down to earth and make it, you know, usable for, uh, for other, other students at the undergraduate level in the online setting. Well, well, Rob, you know, you made a comment about law school and I'm sure that that was a synchronous on the ground experience. Right. As you know, we have um, now, especially post-pandemic, the large proportion of our students are online and in asynchronous learning environments. So to harness the power of, stu of study groups, how can that be accomplished in an asynchronous online setting? Because I'm sure that there are some major challenges associated with that. So can right. you tell us what you believe those challenges are? and um, how they affect online students. Okay, one of the biggest things I think for us as professors is, is to grade writing. I found that in an article that I researched and uh, let me see, give you an author here. Um, get my hands on it here. Basically saying, uh, you know, that evaluation of student writing is our, are still our number one uh, responsibility and the important thing that we need to work on, author Tricia Smith, uh, and it's called Evaluation of Student Writing. So uh, I, I still believe that even though the writing and so forth was totally different in law school, that the whole issue here is trying to figure out how to work on writing and trying to do so in an, in an asynchronous environment. And there's a lot of challenges, no question about that, but I don't think it's overwhelming uh, just from the standpoint that uh, there's a number of different things that we can look at here. And one of them is that, um, you know, we can use uh, contractual type approaches. So in other words, the person wants to uh, be involved in a study group to try to improve his writing. Uh, and, but he can do it on such, such day, you know, I can do it on Monday at six, or I can do it on Monday at noon. You know, and what we need to do is be able to pair him with other people that can work in a synchronous group meeting at, at a time like that, where it works for each other. 
we other have we have other things, you know, here at, at SNHU. You know, we've got Los Angeles, we've got New York City, we've got Baghdad, we got you know, all, I mean seriously, I've met students from all these places, you know. And so how we coordinate all the I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, don't get me wrong, but I think it's worthwhile. And I really sincerely believe that we can um, harness all this and, and get it to work together. Now, can it work totally asynchronously? asynchronously? I think it could, but uh, I think most humans like to have at least some, you know, eye-to-eye -eye contact like you and I are having right now. So I would expect that people, probably some of them at least, would want to have some synchronous meetings like on Zoom or something like that. You know, I mean, given all that, we have the tools to set up these, uh, a professor can set up a group meeting. Uh, my theory, myself, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to set um, like a meeting every day at different times to try to fit in different time zones, you know, to try to address these and make yourself available. I mean, uh, we've got to step out there, but I, I really want to try to uh, put myself out and make myself available more so to the students. And I think it's more effective to meet with them in a group than one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, just because there's like 29 students, you know, I, I can't come up with 29 meetings a week. So groups are going to lend itself to that, maybe six meetings a week. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it would be good for uh, the students to want to join and not be put into a group. That, that would be the other thing is that, they, that they, this is something they want to do after you suggest it to them and, and give them the opportunity. Now, with the demands on today's online student, um, they could be anywhere from recently uh, graduated from high school all the way to uh, people who are later on their careers getting second degrees. Uh, you mentioned uh, the military that could be in the Middle East. Right. They could have all time constraints. So do you feel that something like a study group is worth the effort for them to separate time away from other activities um, in your experiences have you seen these benefits for the online student well i'll put it like this and it's coming right out of my experience you know i'm sitting around like stuck in the mud with my wheels turning in my car and i'm making no progress i'm not getting anywhere i'm pushing on that gas pedal but i'm not moving anywhere I'm expending all this time. I'm becoming more and more upset. I'm becoming more and more unhappy and, and, and knowing that I'm not accomplishing my goal, you know. So I think the idea is yes, but we have to set the time aside to work on this and, you know, and then get the outcome will be better than just flying around, you know, here, there, everywhere, you know and getting nothing, you know, accomplished, you know. So yes, I think, uh, but what we have to do is make an investment of time in the study group and then hope for the outcomes. And I, I really think that for just about anybody there will be an improvement just by being there, just based on my life experience. And I think you're, you're correct because in the asynchronous learning environment, the students are challenged with assignments that they are to interpret on their own. And as you and I both are professors, we do see that sometimes they are misinterpreted 
Um, just because folks are, are reading into it wrong or they're just not grasping the central concept where a group could actually have a good discussion. Now, let me ask you, how, how would that group, would it be a self-directed group that students create on their own? Or would they be, as you suggested, with a professor uh, kind of being the facilitator for the group? Which one do you think would, uh, would be the best and why? Well, I'd like to see a little bit of both, but I mean, initially I would like to get the professor involved just to try to help develop some structure, you know, kind of here's how we're going to do this and then back out and let the group work on its own, if you see what I'm saying. And then what I'd like to see in the group setting, uh, more peer, uh, uh, basically, uh, grading as far as working on each other's papers and making suggestions and things like that. Whereas if the professor invests the time at the front end, as far as getting each group started, and then goes back occasionally if he needs to, to address any things that crop up or, you know, these kind of problems, you know. So that'd be how I do it is get it started, then let the group try to work and do their thing as far as their creativity and as far as encouragement for each other and, you know, suggestions and those type things. And so what are your suggestions for students to make study groups a priority because really uh, in the past many many years that even i can recall um, i haven't seen any study groups students forming study groups or anything why do you think this is the case if they have so many benefits as you described well it's like i say i think what ends up happening is people get on that roller coaster ride and they can't find how to get off you know where they're just going helter-skelter from one assignment to another and, and so much unproductive time wasted. And whereas I would hope that if we could try to start organizing students' time better, I mean, within the context of what they have to give, you know, and and then avoid so much, uh, you know, wheel spinning and time wasted, you know, that would be my thinking. Yes, and you touched on something that is one of our future podcasts for the listeners to be on the lookout for is the concept of time management. Um, we all struggle with time management and there are proven strategies, tips, and best practices to help us manage our time better. But I think it's what you said, Rob, it's to be dedicated to it, to make a commitment to it. I feel that if the students have enrolled in school and they've crossed that barrier to get their education and get their degree that they're going to have to make some sacrifices along the way um, for the time that it takes them to complete their studies. And I believe that one of those is the power of study groups for them to become engaged. And Rob, as you know, uh, the networking also that you make in those teams can be very valuable right. to help you or you can call on others. So they so can what be a lot of time valuable. You know, you can call on each other 20 years later and still know each other and still have each other's back, you know. You never know when, when someone you meet today is going to be influential in something that you're doing tomorrow. So right. to, to wrap it up, if you could tell us, what do you think are the, the highlights of study groups and how to overcome the challenges associated with them? If you could condense that down to some, some hard tips 
for the students, what would those tips be? I think the most important thing is to make that initial commitment that I'm going to put some time into this and, and we'll see what happens. You know, you, you just have to step out and say, uh, okay, I'm going to try this. I mean, that's what I found out right away. And, you know, my situation was so bad that I was found floundering so much that I don't really have a choice. And so many students, you know, they may think they have a choice when really they don't have a choice, you know what I mean? And so generally speaking, I, I mean, I think we need to stop kidding ourselves and just say like time management, like you said, I mean, part of this whole plan is gonna be uh, that I'm gonna get with some other people that may know some things that I don't know and I know some things that they don't know. And then the combination of us, good things are gonna come out of it. I mean, that's what you have to have a commitment and you have to believe that good things are going to come out of it. And I'm just here as a witness to say good things come out of it, you know. Agreed. And it is that commitment, I think. It's the same one, the commitment that they made and we make as lifelong learners to learn and to okay. educate ourselves. And Absolutely. along with any commitment that you make, there are going to be certain duties and due diligence that are associated with those commitments. And I think these, these study groups would be very beneficial. And I, I sure would like to see the results of it as you start to integrate it in your particular classes, Rob, here at SNHU, and to report back to us as to what the outcomes were, uh, pre and post, even how well they're doing or not doing. I think that that is a worthwhile endeavor as we move forward. And of course, coupled with the time management that we all struggle with, but we must master at some point in order to succeed uh, because time is limited. And we wanna make sure, as you said, that we are making the most of our time. So with that, I'll turn it back over to you to see if you have any closing statements for us. Well, the only one I want to say is I am going to go forward. I'm going to have a, a research group and a control group. I have two separate classes. So I'm at one group that I'm going to put into a study group, research group. And then I have one class that is going to be controlled. So they're not going to have that. So what I'm going to look at is two different approaches within an eight-week class. Starting today, if it's okay with you, and uh, move forward and you know try to divide my students up and talk to each one of them and have a bunch of these Zoom meetings that I'm gonna set up or team meetings or whatever we're gonna use and just try to make personal contact with them here in week one. It's a perfect time for it because week one in this class I teach is kind of slow. So uh, you know just try to get this other uh, layer in place and get them involved and, you know, get them excited about it, just like I am, and just tell them my story. I think I've got a compelling story to tell and uh, save my life, you know. So basically, uh, maybe I can sell them on that, and we'll see what happens. And I want to see uh, relative improvement uh, between uh, groups, not just at the top end, because the top end is going to get an A, you know. But I want to see improvement at the bottom end. Well, that's going to be a worthwhile endeavor, I believe. Anything that we can do to try to enhance our students' learning experience 
and our student learning outcomes and their achievements is always welcome here at SNHU. And I'm looking forward to the results of that and hopefully to implement some of those best practices in other classes as well. So thank you very much, Dr. Philip Rob DeWalt for joining us today and telling us your story and enlightening us with how these power, these study groups can be so powerful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I'll check back later. Thank you. This has been Dr. Hector Garcia, and I have been your host for this episode of Agents of Change, The Power of Study Groups. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.